0: Thank you, Drew. I really appreciate you going the extra mile. (laughs) I was tempted at three degrees this morning, or two degrees, to contemplate staying home. But I was told I couldn't. (laughs) So here I am. And uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity, actually. Always approach this position. Solemnly and with fear and trembling. For I know I have a great task at hand, and that's to present the word of God. You know, the, uh, one of the preacher's biggest conundrums is what to preach. I had three good messages, and I couldn't find a scripture passage to fit them. LOL, people. <laughs> it's a joke. But uh, the, the next conundrum, conundrum, excuse me, is... When he gets into studying and preparation, it's how do I fit all this in in such little time? So um, either in my attempt to consolidate, this message will go really quick, or it can drag on. If it's really quick, it's my Christmas gift to you. And if it drags on, it's your Christmas gift to me. So with that said, um, let's get serious and go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the comfort that we have here, Lord, to be able to come into a warm building. There are people throughout the world that meet in the open, uh, no matter what the weather is, because they love you and because they want to fellowship with one another, others who love you, and because they want to hear from your word and they love your word. And Lord, help us to be that kind of people who would be willing to stand out in three degrees to hear your word and um, who take full advantage of all of the conveniences and comforts that we have to look into your word and to meditate upon your word. What a great song we sung uh, from your word this morning, Father. I pray, Lord, that um, you would be in control here, that you would speak to each and every one of us as you know us, The Lord knows the ways, your word says, and you know each one of us. And I pray that you would speak to us by your word. I pray that we would um, hear it clearly and uh, that you would guide and direct. We are so blessed to have it and we're thankful for it. And so we pray this in your name that you might be glorified because of the result of it. Amen. Well, here we are on the eve of a new year. Last day, It happens coincidentally to be the last day of 2017. And um, so what do we all do at this time of year? Um, we make resolutions, one of the things we do. We count our blessings. A lot of people think about um, the past year and maybe the struggles or the blessings that you've had. But I think the biggest thing that we do as people is looking forward into the new year thinking of how it, we might be blessed by it, or uh, the prosperity that might come in it. And at this time of year, it seems like we all have great hopes and expectations for a good year, for the blessing of a good year. And uh, Psalm 1 talks about uh, blessings. And, you know, what is blessing? You know, we, we, we categorize blessings in many ways. You know, we we. We look at stuff that we have and we think we've been blessed. And um, we look at our families and we've been blessed. Or maybe negatively, we look at what we lack and we think, if I can only be blessed in this way or I have not been blessed. But Psalm 1 really talks about um, what it means to be blessed and where that blessing comes from. And uh, Psalm 1 is one of three psalms that is a psalm of the type of wisdom. It's called the Psalm of Wisdom. And uh, Psalm 37, I believe, and 119 are the other two. And Psalm 1 uses a technique of comparison between two different types of people. And if you get down to it, basically there are two different types of people in this world. Those who place their trust in God and those who place their trust in themselves. And so we're going to look at the blessed man But obviously, we're going to to actually see uh, the the cursed man as well. And before we actually get to Psalm one, I'd like to open up uh, to Jeremiah chapter seventeen. Jeremiah chapter seventeen. There's a passage of scripture in here that the Lord uses a metaphor to talk about these two different people, and parallels Psalm one pretty much. In verse five, it says, "Thus saith the Lord: "Cursed be the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm, and whose heart departs from the Lord, for he shall be like the heath of, in the desert, and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land and not inhabited." That's not a pretty picture the one who trusts in his own physical strength and his own ability to take care of himself. And it goes beyond the physical realm of our needs, but to uh, the eternal realm as well and how I will make up for what I do and I will offer to God what I could do for him. And the heath is, is a tree. It's a shrub in the desert. Um, how it survives, I don't know. I guess there's a little bit of moisture there, enough for survival. But it's a bleak picture here of the man who trusts in his own strength. It's called, he's called cursed. And it goes on to say in verse 7, Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord, and whose hope is the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and, and that spreads out her roots by the river." and shall not see when heat comes, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Shall not be careful in the year of drought. There's no concern there is what it's saying. This is a very pleasant picture, picture of prosperity, a picture of health, a picture of security. And this is the person who places trust in the Lord. He sees his need to do that. You know, and this is, a, this is a picture of the gospel. This is the gospel in the Old Testament. You know, what are we going to do? Just quickly, the gospel. This is why Jesus came and died. I love this song Lorna sang. Can you imagine Mary holding Jesus, knowing who he was? Wow. What an imagine. What an, ma- what a- what an image there. But um, here is why the Lord came. The Lord came because we are in the desert. We have nothing, we have no resources for ourselves. Uh, Our sin is taking us to hell. And Christ came, Christ without sin, to die on the cross for our sin so that we can place our trust in him and have everything we need. And that's what this is talking about. So the two types of people are the cursed man and the blessed man. And the blessed man is the one who places his trust in the Lord. And I'll use that as a springboard to go back to Psalm 1. And I'll, as I said, Psalm 1 is a comparison. And it's a psalm of wisdom. So we should pay attention here and let's look into the Word of God here. And we would be wise to, to um, uh, evaluate what is being said here and... Uh, Contemplate what's being said here and consider it personally for each and every one of us. The blessed man, there's certain te- there's certain, uh, uh, there are certain things that the blessed man possesses. What makes a blessed man blessed? In verse 1, um, we're going to see here that a blessed man, first of all, is a separated man. Verse 1 says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. He is a separated man. He thinks differently. In verse 1a, he walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. To walk means to behave or to travel through life. And he's not doing that under the logic of the ungodly. All right? It being saved for a number of years and uh, trying to minister the gospel into people's lives, I I never cease to be amazed how often those who name the name of Christ go to the ungodly for counsel and for advice and how often they just take in um, the, the reasoning and the logic of the ungodly and then they're bewildered by the consequences or by the results of that application of that knowledge. But here, the blessed man separates himself from that. He's not going to consider that. There is something else he's going to consider. He he does not go by that. He uses God's logic. He also acts differently. He's separated and he thinks differently, he acts and lives differently, 1b. He stands not in the way of sinners. To stand means to stay put, to continue in that place, to establish yourself there, or where you live. It's, and uh, in the way is uh, your course of life. So not only does he not take their advice, you know, he doesn't live where they live. You know, this is not his lifestyle. And, and we want to be saved, and we want to have a, one foot in heaven, and we want to have one foot on earth, and we think we're missing something sometimes. And we want to keep the lifestyle that we once had. But uh, that's not the blessed man. The blessed man lives and acts differently. Um, Jesus said in John, he said, he prayed for, for um, his children, and he says, they are in the world, but they are not of the world, and this is the conundrum, I like to use that word today, the conundrum that we all have as Christians, right? How do we be in the world, but not of the world? There's a delicate balance, okay? We can't be so heavenly-minded that we're no earthly good. We still have to live a horizontal, in the horizontal realm, while continuing our vertical um, relationship as well. In Matthew uh, 29, excuse me, Matthew 10, 32 to 39, Jesus said, a man's foes are those of his own household. And um, so I got ahead of myself here. Our lifestyle should make us differently than unbe- different than unbelievers, and we should not expect understanding from them. All right? And especially, you know, I'm... I think I'm past the child-rearing age, uh, years, excuse me, although I don't think you're ever finished with that. But when your children are young, you know, we, 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 uh, we have parameters for them. We, we all have our own standards and parameters, and hopefully we come to those conclusions, those parameters and standards based on uh, the Word of God and our evaluation of the Word of God and what's healthy for us. And we... Um, subject our children to those because it's good for them and that's good parenting. But you know what? There's going to be lots of opposition and the opposition uh, not only comes from maybe the neighbors or the children's friends or the children's friends' parents, but it may come from your own family. And uh, that's where Jesus says, you know, a man's foes are, are those of his own household. Um, he goes on to say that um, the gospel divides um, The gospel will pit a a man, a father against a son, a son against a father, a daughter against a mother. This is just the natural consequence of the gospel. We become different people and we live differently. And um, that's what this blessed man does. He lives differently. He not only thinks differently and lives differently, he looks on others differently. Look at uh, the last part. Of verse 1. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful. To sit again here is different than the other uh, sit or stand. It's a little bit different. It's to dwell and remain and settle in. But it's to sit as a judge. Okay? He doesn't sit as a judge in the seat of the scornful. Uh, The seat, again, is where they live. But the scornful. You know what the word literally means? To make mouths at. You know, you look at somebody and immediately we're judging them and we're making mouths. We're like, oh, look at them. Look what they're wearing. Look what they're listening to. Look what they're doing. And the blessed man is, he doesn't do that. He looks on others differently. It means to ridicule, to mock, to scoff, to hold in derision. And that's what the scornful do. That's what the scorning means. And the scriptures tell us, judge not lest we be judged. All right, we need to look on others differently and be, have compassion to, to them. When we compare, you know, when we're doing that, when we're looking at others, we're really evaluating them in light of ourselves to make ourselves look good and feel good. You know, and when we compare ourselves amongst ourselves, the scripture says we're not wise to do that. And the ground at the cross is level ground. We're all on the same plane, we all have the same needs. Some of us have experienced the healing process the spiritual healing process, while others haven't. And, uh, and we, ha- we need to realize that. So, you know, as we think differently and act differently, live differently, we will look on others differently and we'll have compassion toward them. So the blessed man is a separated man. He is also a studying man. Look at verse 2. Verse 2 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord. He takes pleasure in the word of God. His delights literally means pleasure or what you hold valuable. Um, Jesus said, man, not, man shall not, well, the Old Testament says it too, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of, of God. And, um, you know, this is our health. This is where we, this is where we are going to um, uh, and have enjoyment. If you are going to be blessed, man, you're going to have enjoyment in the scriptures. He's a studying man. He takes pleasure in the word. Look at the second half of the verse. Um, And in his law, does he meditate day and night? He takes time in the word. All right? Um, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I believe where your treasure in your heart is, there your time will be spent as well. You know, we need to take time to be into the Word, and there's many ways to do this. I mean, look at the technology that we have. Um, you might have a long drive to work. You can listen to the Word of God, all right? You could read the Word of God first and foremost. Not about the Word of God. Read the Word of God. Put the, the, the Christian authors aside for later and read the Word of God, okay? Listen to the Word of God on radio, or uh, on your on your uh, on your phone, um, we could listen to the Word of God through script- scripturally based music. There is just so many ways to saturate our minds and our hearts with the Word of God, and a blessed man will do that. One of the other ways is I love this. My wife has Bible verses posted all over the house. I was we were f- cooking fish last night, in the cupboards, you know, I'm all, I'm on the c- kitchen counter with the fryer and so forth, and. Uh, the cupboards are just plastered with Bible verses everywhere. You go in the bathroom, there's Bible verses, you know. At the fireplace, there's vi- Bible verses. That's a way to have the Word of God in your presence, you know, and it should be, and that shows me that that's valuable to her, you know, and she infiltrates that into her life, into our life by doing so. So if you were going to be a blessed man, you not only need to be. Uh, separated but you need to be a studying man we see that here in psalm 1 this blessed man he studied he meditated on the word of god he digested it you know sometimes you know when you're in the word i'm going through the day and there's times i'm talking to the to the lord about the word you know there's things i don't understand or there's things that bless me and they just come to my mind you know always just it's going to be part of your life a blessed man will be a studying man He'll also be a seasoned man. Look at verse 3. And by seasoned, I mean a mature man, a faithful through faithfulness and longevity. You will become a seasoned man. Verse 3 says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. This, this word planted is the same word that's used in Jeremiah 17. There's two words in the Hebrew for planted. One is to, to, uh, to, play, to place in place let's say, for the first time. The other is to take and transplant. And it's ironic that this word in the one in, Je- in uh, Jeremiah is the word transplant. And this is what God actually does to us when he saves us. He transplants us. This isn't, you know, we doing something for ourselves. This action is happening to us. Um, so he's anchored because he's planted by God. He's anchored. It, um It literally means to be transplanted, and that's never to be uprooted again. Okay? The Bible says when we accept Christ as Savior, we are sealed with the Spirit of promise. We are sealed by God. In other words, God puts His seal upon us that we are His, and uh, we're sealed by the Spirit of promise. And it also says that the Spirit is the earnest of our salvation or the down payment. See, God puts a down payment on us. Our, our salvation is, has been completely paid for, but we're kind of on hold. You know, we're in the parking lot still. We haven't taken it home yet. And uh, the Lord has us on hold. We are His. We are sealed with that spirit of promise. So we're planted by Him, but you know what? There is an element of personal responsibility as well. Salvation has nothing to do with us and our doing. We are transplanted by God. We place our faith in him and he transplants us. He takes, us, takes our feet out of the miry clay, David said, and puts our feet on a rock, okay? But then there's personal responsibility involved. He's a fruitful man. In verse uh, 3b, he brings forth his fruit in his season. This is reproduction. Um, we're saved to serve the Savior, You know, we're not saved to do nothing. You know, we're not saved to come to church one hour a week. We're saved to serve the the Savior all of our life, each and every day, from the moment we get up to the moment we go to sleep. You know, and that's done in many ways as well. And I, you know, there's there's a lot of venues here to serve within the capacity of the local church. But, you know, we should have a servant's heart. Um, If we are separated... And um, we are studying. We're going to have compassion on others. We're going to see their need. And it's going to be a natural outcome to, to serve others through the ministry of the gospel. You'll find ways to, to give the gospel to those in need through your testimony. You'll find ways to reach out and help people monetarily, if you can, with your, with your goods or with your, um, your abilities. There's different ways to minister and to help people. And that's fruit. There's another thing I want us to see here. And it says, it brings forth his fruit in his season. And this is an important thing. This is in time. So, you know, a lot of times we, um, older saints who've been around the block a few times and have been serving the Lord, you know, we could have a tendency to wonder, well, they're not doing anything. I don't see anything happening in their life. They're, what are they doing? You know, we have to be patient. Everybody is on their own time schedule. We're all diamonds in the rough. And the Lord has a timetable for each of us, you know. Um, As we are saved, you know, we become babes in Christ. And that metaphor is used for a reason, you know. Peter said, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow and eventually be able to eat the meat of the word or understand the harder things. So there was a process, is what I'm saying here, and we ought not to put a burden upon people because they're not maturing at our on our timetable or our um, our rate of speed. Okay, we must understand and be patient, and actually we can serve them through this too, and we we could be fruitful and, in serving them and helping them mature. So the seasoned man is anchored, and he is fruitful, and then also He is refreshed. Look at the third part of verse 3. His leaf also shall not wither. Um, This is what makes perseverance possible. We need to stay connected to our source of refreshment. Okay, He's planted by the streams of water. There's the picture of a tree planted where there is a resource to make it healthy and vibrant and always green. Okay, so The only way to do that, folks, again, is to be a separated person and to be a studying person. And, you know, the roots are near the water, and we have to understand that we need to stay near our Savior and near the Lord. We need to stay connected to him and, and, um, you know, pour out our hurts to him, pour out our needs to him, but also pour out our, our blessings and our praises for what we have in him. And the fact that we could do that is quite the blessing as well. Jesus said to the woman at the well, whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will be a well of water springing up into everlasting life. You know, if, if you're a separated person and you're a studying person, and uh, you're going to come to the point where this is just going to come out of you, okay? This, this well of living water is just going to flow out of you and the, the more you know, you got fruit when the tree is by the water, it turns green, it's got fruit all the time. So, we need to be refreshed people, and we will be if we stay connected to the source of refreshment. Not only that, uh, the seasoned man is also a prosperous man. Look at verse four, uh, verse three, and the last part of it. And whatsoever he does shall prosper. Now, this is not reproduction fruit prosperity here. Okay, this isn't speaking of that, uh, but continued growth. The root word of this uh, word prosper here means to push forward. That's where this word came from. Uh, The blessed man is one who has forward progress. Okay, you shouldn't be stagnant. You shouldn't be 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, 30 years down the road, still in the same spot you were two weeks after you've been saved, there should be growth in your life. There will be growth in your life. All right? There's growth and forward progress here. He's prosperous. And that's what that means. Uh, Romans 12:2 says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's a present participle, present passive participle. It's present tense, meaning something's happened to you, and the consequence carries on from that point forever and ever and ever. It just keeps going. And it's passive. It's happened to you. So this is allowing the Lord to transform us. Maybe more accurately, be being transformed. Yield yourself to God and allow him to transform you. How? By the renewing of your mind. I meant to make that point back in the studying part. This is how we study. We re- we're renewing our mind, okay? So, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed and grow. Be prosperous. Now, there's a bleak picture we're going to look at here, and that's the cursed man, all right? And, and really, there's the word ungodly. I like the use of the word ungodly in the King James. The the ESV says cursed. They're both the same. They mean the same, but the word ungodly to me, it just strikes, um, not fear, but it just strikes up a picture like none other in the English language for me. Uh, It says a lot of someone, you know. There's a stark contrast here too. This kind of sounds soft. The ungodly are not so. But there's, a, there's an exclamation point here. And there's a stark contrast here. Not so ungodly. And this is what God is saying. The blessed man is blessed because of his separation and his studying and his growth. Not so with the ungodly. Remember the picture in Jeremiah? This dearth of, of, uh, of health. It was a dry, parched place he was in. A very ugly word, the ungodly. It means wicked, ungodly, ungodly, or condemned. Those who stand in condemnation because they trust in their own might. And that's what Jeremiah was saying. Cursed is the man that stands in condemnation because he's trusting in his own might. The word cursed, it, it actually means bitterly cursed. Cursed. Or to, be, or to execrate. I had to look that word up. I thought it meant to be like ostracized, like taken out of the picture. It's worse than that. It means to feel or express great loathing for. Wow. That is serious. God feels and expresses great loathing for the man who trusts in his own might. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. What a state of condemnation. And such were some of you. We were all in that state. Romans 5 tells us that we're all under condemnation. Romans 6, 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then we found the Savior. And this is the only reason we're not under condemnation anymore. Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Isn't that awesome? God takes us from, a, from loathing to loving in a moment of when we place our faith and trust in Christ, when we stop trusting our own strength and our own abilities to please God and realize it isn't going to happen. We can't. It won't. <clears throat> so the ungodly man... What a horrible condition to be in. The ungodly, not so ungodly, the ungodly man has no root. Look at verse 4. Where the blessed man was anchored, the, uh, the ungodly man has no root. But the ungodly are not so, but like the chaff which the wind drives away. The chaff is the part of the grain without value. It's just the husk you know, and the wind drives it away. And I don't believe this is talking about value. When compared with the previous scriptures and the following scriptures, I believe we're being, what's being pointed out here is um, not value, but stability. All right? Um, For Christ died for all. There's value in everyone. Christ didn't die for just, me. He didn't die for just you. He died for all. So he held everyone at high value. He gave his life for you. This can't be speaking of value. This speaks of, of stability. The wind drives it away. All right? There's because, why? Because there's nothing to anchor it. It's shallow roots. There's no health there. there is, he, is, he has no root. He has no fruit. Look at verse 5. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. This does not mean he won't be judged, okay? Um, there will be a judgment. If you go back to Jeremiah, he says, I, the Lord, tries the heart. try the hearts. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's the following verse after the cursed man and the blessed man. And the cursed man is trusting his own reasoning, his own heart, and the heart is desperately wicked. who can know it? And uh, the Lord says, "I try the hearts and the reins, I will judge, and the Lord, there will be a coming judgment. All of us will stand one, one day before the righteous judge." Isaac Watts put that in put it well in that song, um, that's who we'll be standing for. We'll be standing in front of Jesus. And so will this cursed man. Judgment here means it's a judicial term. Um, The verdict pronounced judicially. The verdict on sin. Okay. Um, Romans 6.23, Whereas by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. The day you shall eat of that tree, you shall surely die, God told Adam and Eve. And the day they ate of it, they dragged us all into death. The condemnation of death. Not only physical death, but spiritual death. And death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Okay, so there's a judicial, there's a judgment upon our heads until you come to Christ. There's a judgment upon the ungodly's head, the cursed man's head, judicial term. Um, To stand means um, he will not stand in the judgment. Means when he's in judgment, what he has to offer, his own strength, it will not hold up. The word means to abide or accomplish or make good or perform. And so the cursed man brings to God his works, and they're not going to hold up. He, they will not stand in the judgment. God's going God's to say, not good enough. Okay? And uh, Isaiah says it this way, and he includes himself. He uses the word our. Isaiah 64, 6, when he sees a holy God, he says, all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. When he stands before a holy God, this is what he he sees. He sees the inability to stand there. There's only one way that we can stand there, and that's through faith in Christ, so this uh, cursed man has no fruit, no, excuse me, no root, no fruit, and he has no future. Look at verse 5b. He shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Congregation, the root word for congregation is testimony or witness. And this word is assembly or multitude or company or people When you hear of peoples, you think of this vast race. Another word, and I love this word, swarm. There's a swarm, okay? He shall not, this cursed man shall not be with the swarm. This great assemblage will have the awesome privilege to stand in the presence of a holy God and bear testimony and witness as to his goodness and greatness. And I just want to give us a picture of this. In Revelation Bear with me here. I didn't mark it. Revelation chapter 4. John, cha- Revelation chapter 4 and 5 are, are two awesome verses, or two awesome chapters. Uh, John is taken up in the spirit. In other words, he, he's taken out of his body. He had an out-of-body experience is what happened to John, and he's taken into heaven, and he stands, and he's he's observing in heaven, and he, he says in verse 11, Verse 11 of chapter 5. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands. There was a swarm. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such are as in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sits upon the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever. And all and the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that lives forever and ever. Now, maybe you're here today and you think, well, that doesn't sound like much fun. I'll tell you what, if you're the blessed man, if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, this will be your natural reaction to fall down and praise your Savior. And the cursed man will not be there there is loathing upon his head and he must see his need for Jesus Christ there doesn't have to be let's look at verse 6 in conclusion for the lord knows the way of the righteous i believe this is this is a part and this is a great part of the fact that the blessed man is blessed because he knows that he knows You know, it's a blessing to know that the Lord knows me. And the word know here means it's an intimate word. He knows me intimately. He's involved in my life. You know, we're not, this isn't religion, we say. This is relationship. And that's exactly what this is saying. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. He knows what you're going through. He knows what your needs are. He knows what you need emotionally. He knows you. You need to go to him who knows you. We could, we could give you advice and we could steer you, you know, but the Lord knows you. He can help you. This is what brings confidence and joy and security to the believer's heart, knowing that the Lord knows him. But the way of the ungodly shall perish here in the final verse, it, con- it concludes this comparison. To perish is to wander away, to, de- to destroy, to not escape, to fall, to spend, to be undone, to be void, have no way to flee. In other words, the way of the ungodly is going to be taken to obscurity. We're not gonna, we're not, it's not going to be in our presence And so as the cursed man brings his strength and tries to stand in the judgment and realizes he cannot stand in the judgment, he's going to fade into obscurity. You have your opportunity now, here and now while you walk this earth, to understand that you need a savior. This is the reason for the season. And to go to him and stop leaning upon your own strength, to understand your need, and that is the judgment against you because of sin in your life. There is a judgment against you. And when you understand that need and understand that you can't handle it on your own, there is nothing you can do to satisfy God. Even your best efforts, Isaiah said, are like filthy rags. The menstrual period rags is the word he uses to give you a picture of how good our works are. Even that, even our best of the best. You know, the religions of the world say, do your best and hope for the best. That's not good enough. You have an opportunity here in this new year. Each one of us here has the, has the opportunity. Maybe you're here and you've been naming the name of Christ for decades you know, but you're not separated. You don't think differently. You still think the world has the answers. Maybe you're not fond of the word of God. You come to church and you enjoy that. Today's the day for a new start. And maybe that tells you something. Maybe you're trusting in your own strength. You know, we, we often s- say that in re- with respect to people who claim the name of Christ and aren't living right They live like the ungodly. I don't see that here. I see two peoples, the blessed person and the cursed person. One who has the loathing removed and love applied and one who has the loathing remaining upon them. So maybe the lack of this blessed activity in your life shows a need, a deeper need, and maybe you're fooled into thinking that you've been a Christian for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Yield yourself to God, whatever state you're in, and trust in Him and allow Him to make you blessed. Think about that, that cursing removed, that loathing removed, and allow Him to make make you blessed. That's Psalm 1. I wish we could sing it again. But that's Psalm 1, the blessed man and the cursed man. What man are you? John says in 1 John 2 that... This judgment against us, we have an advocate. We have a lawyer. Hey, we could run to a lawyer. We have a lawyer over here we could run to for certain things, but you can't run to him for this. We have a greater lawyer, an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Or more accurately, righteous Jesus Christ. That's our advocate. So when we go to the Father, I'm undone. I'm cursed. Remove it, please. Allow Christ to be my Savior. He will. And that cursing will be removed. I hope that your expectations for this new year are all met. And I hope they're met through the eyes of one who has a desire to know God. And, and in that desire, you seek to know him through his word and through prayer. God will change your, your, your perspective. And, um, you know, God will indeed bless you in this new year if you'll but do that. We see the comparison here. Let's pray. My gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for taking the loathing against us and making it love Thank you for opening my eyes to my needs and for saving me. I pray, Father, that this word you would take and penetrate the heart and meet the needs of each and every one of us here through it. In your name we pray. Amen.